everybody. We are here. It's Dishing with Stephanie's Dish. And this is my podcast I do just for me, just for fun, talking to people that I just have commonality with in the food space or just friends. Sometimes we talk about food. Sometimes we talk about traveling. Sometimes we talk about being in on the road with Los Lobos, which was kind of a fun episode that we did last week. This week, I got an email from a gal that she probably doesn't even know that I admire her. It's Lindsay Gunsel. And Lindsay, you were a producer for the Chad Hartman show. And Chad Hartman, Chad Hartman and I have known each other, honestly, for like 22 years. I worked at KFAN very early on. I was a sales rep when KFAN first came on the air and he was a talent with uh, Joe Sensor and Randy Shaver, Michelle Tafoya, Dan Barrero. And I was the sales rep. So I was like the annoying girl that was always like, hey, can I get you to do this? Can I get you to do that? And I knew nothing about sports. So they used to just make total fun of me because I had no idea about anything in the sports world. And I learned kind of how to target men with commercials, which is all I needed to know. But so I've always uh, had a, a fond feelings about him. We don't, we're not as in touch as we used to be, but I just, he texted me the other day about something and I was like, oh my gosh. And you, when I list, I would listen to his show and you produced it. And I thought you were such a great producer. And then you left and I was so sad. And they said you were going to pursue other things. And I was like, well, where did she go? So here you are. I am. Yeah. You know, and I think anyone who works in media and you get this probably more than anyone else, sometimes you just have to make the jump. And I loved my time producing with Chad. He's so smart and he's so good at pushing you and pushing you outside of your comfort zone. But there were just no opportunities. And for like a dreamer, it gets to be tough. You're kind of like, all right, I'm putting in my dues. I'm putting in my dues. And finally it was like, all right, if I'm going to do this on my own, it's time to do it on my own. And radio is a weird thing because there really isn't a lot of opportunity. Like if you're talk radio, you know, I'm at my talk and I had a a daily show that was one to three and then they fired my partner and they didn't really have a place for me. So I could have been in a producer role, but that really wasn't what I did. So I ended up doing the food show on the weekends instead, which worked pretty well for my lifestyle. But, you know, I always thought, oh, someday I'll go back to doing a full-time show And now it's probably long since passed that that would even work in my life. But I kept waiting for that opportunity to get a a daily show again. And it never came. And people were like, well, you should go to CCO. You should go to do this. You should go do that. And I just, I never got into radio because I wanted to be the person that was moving all over, you know, to small markets. And I just, I had a shot. It was awesome. I loved it. And when that shot was over, it was time to be doing something else. I guess the world was telling me what to do. I feel so much about what you just said. Right before I took the job at CCO, I turned down two jobs, one in St. Cloud and one in Sioux Falls. And I was like ready to make the jump. And it just never felt right. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stick it out a little bit longer. And then the opportunity at CCO came and was just a huge catapult for me in terms of really building my personality here in the Twin Cities. But I think that there comes a point, and you've probably been there as well, when your your one to three show was done, and then they were like, well, we can make you a producer. I have always been someone, and it just took a long time to realize it, that 
is not comfortable building someone else's dream. And once you own that and acknowledge that, you really start to realize how important it is to pay attention to what you're doing. How do you think you got there? Because that's really self-aware. Oh, man. Um, A lot of therapy. (laughs) Honestly, I uh, love therapy. Can't get enough. I love therapy. Yeah. Um, Therapy, my therapist and I have really developed a great relationship where she pushes me just enough. Uh, There's definitely some, some coddling, but more pushing, which is great. I have just always known, and and it's not necessarily that I would never want to partner with someone. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not someone who's just like, I want to be the star. When you're a producer, there is an aspect of being someone's personal assistant because you're doing everything for them to get the show ready. And I just felt like I wanted to add more time building myself as a talent. And there just weren't those things there. And so when you kind of make the jump, it's terrifying. And some days are great. Today is not one of those days. Today is one of those days where I was in my car this morning going, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? But I would rather look back in 20 years and have taken the risk than have sat somewhere where I was just comfortable. So how long ago was it that you left that show? Two years in March. Okay. So two years next month. Yeah. Wow. And you left that show with a dream. So what is the Lindsay Gunsel dream that you're going towards? I really would love to build a show around food and travel and lifestyle. I'm kind of a... You're here. I joke that I'm well, I joke that I'm like a mommy blogger without kids. Like yeah. I love everything about the house from DIY projects to design to hosting parties. And all of those things unfortunately feel like they're so on hold right now with life the way it is. But if you would ask me pre-COVID, that would be it. I would love a travel show and to interact with people and to entertain people and build relationships. Um, I think that's a part of the reason why a lot of us get into this field is that we're people, people, we're people, people. So is that the right way to say it? Yes. You know it, you're that way. I am. And it's funny because I was always, so my career trajectory was to be I was a salesperson and I worked in the newspaper business and sales. And then I worked in the radio business and sales. And then I worked, we started a direct mail company. So I was in direct mail and sales and I was always in sales. And at some point I crossed over because I was working at city pages and my gal pals, Lori and Julia had a show and I would do entertainment reports for them. And I never really thought of myself as a talent and I had no training and I still don't think of myself as talent And, you know, we built this other business and then we sold it. And all during that time, I, the Food Network had kind of just started and I, the daily show that I had, my partner was let go. So they were like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I really think I just want to do a show about food because that's what's interesting to me. And so I knew if I did the show on the weekends that I could build out my business during the week. 
And I ended up calling Stephanie March, who we had been on the air together once. I interviewed her. And I knew she she wasn't even at MSP Magazine yet. She was a freelancer that had just come off of working at the rake. And so that whole timing was really interesting. And then when I sold my company, I was like, oh, I'm going to retire. Well, I was, you know, what? I was 48 and I thought I was going to retire. Well, it turns out this dream of retirement or being your own boss, you still have to like entertain yourself. And I am a really hard <laughs> worker and that didn't go away. So I was trying to explain to my husband, we would like do these whiteboards and he knew right away he was going to be a writer. So he started writing a book and I was floundering around crying. I mean, a friend of mine was like, boy, these are real one percenter problems. <laughs> But I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be. And when I wrote it down, you know what I wrote down? I wrote that I wanted to be famous and I was horrified. I felt so shallow and vain and embarrassed. And it was just for my husband. And he was like, really? I think that is what you want. And it isn't like famous in the regard of, you know, Oprah Winfrey famous, but it was, I wanted to have influence in my sphere. I wanted mm-hmm. to tell person, tell a person like the steak at this place is the best ever. You should go there. This is what you should order. Or if I was having a dinner party, I wanted to like have a menu and make it fancy and have a signature cocktail. And then people would go, oh, I want that recipe. And they wanted to go home and do that too. So I really do relate to what you're saying because it feels sort of like a shallow uh, goal, but yet it really fills me up. And over time, I'm just haphazardly hacking my way through this desert. And, you know, there's a million people making money doing this. I am not that person that's monetizing every single thing I do. A, I get bored and I'm just like, oh, who's got time for that? B, I'm not as technically savvy as I should be. I, I, I learn enough to get to where I need to go, but I'm kind of a dabbler. But I really admire that you had that clarity of what you want I'm more of a bumbler that just like kind of finds my way into it. And then I'm like, oh, this is so fun. So welcome to the program. (laughs) No. And, you know, it's interesting uh, going off of what you said, um, the the whole thing of acknowledging that there is this level of fame involved in it, Mm -hmm. of of desiring fame. And I think when you say that, people automatically think, like you said, Oprah, Kim Kardashian, uh, tons of Instagram followers. And that's not something I've ever been after. I think going back to my childhood, it's like, I've always loved entertaining. I grew up dancing. I grew up singing. I was in the school plays, um, pop choir, cheerleading, everything that was very much putting on a show. My talent level ended at high school, though, in the sense of like, I was not going to become the next Britney Spears. And so when I found things that I enjoyed, it's being in front of a camera. I love the challenge of live TV. I mean, I've seen your stuff on Jason show all the time. Like it is a fun challenge to banter with the host and to come up with content on the fly and be good at it. And I love that. I love that. I think kind of going off of what you said with like people wanting your recipes, like I love that people look at me and they go, Oh my gosh, she's so comfortable doing that. Because that to me is like, it's like my Britney Spears dream uh, from adolescence in a grown up form. Right. So you 
reached out to me and you were like, Hey, I don't know if you've heard of this thing called engagement chicken, but it would be really fun to talk about. And I have been wanting to catch up with you anyway. So I was like, Oh yes, this is the perfect opportunity. So get us caught up. Like, what are you doing kind of on a day to day and how are you trying to make your way into this field? Yeah. So right now I write for Bring Me the News. I'm their food writer. Um, And it's a great opportunity because one, they have a huge platform and two, they are so flexible and cool with what I want to talk about. Um, So right now I'm doing a weekly series called For the Week. It comes out on Sundays. Something that I'm super passionate about and it's like not sexy or cool or anything, but I love meal prep. I think we as humans, we make our lives so much more stressful when it comes to meals during the week. And I think the last year has really taught us the more time we're in our house, the less stress we need to be adding. Um, So for the week is essentially that it's tips, tricks, recipes, ideas for the week. Um, So each week there's kind of a a topic about meal prep and meal planning and ideas to, to throw at you um, with lots of breakdown, but I try and keep it as clear and concise as possible because I know people get overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, so I'm loving that, uh, the team at bring me the news, they're just, um, it's locally owned journalism and they're really doing it by their own rules, which I told, you know, having worked for, you know, I've worked for big media organizations. It's really refreshing to literally have two bosses who, you know, live in Minneapolis and you can go see them whenever you want. And is it still owned by Rick Capcella? No. So it's changed hands a few times since then. So it went from Rick Capcella, he sold it to the poll ads and it became a part of their go network, uh, which now the radio stations are gone as well. Um, And then when the poll ads decided that they didn't want to do anything more with bringing the news, they actually sold it to two of their writers, their editors. Um, So it's owned by two gentlemen, Adam Uren and Joe Nelson. Joe Nelson, I used to work with at KFAN and that was my connection, my foot in the door. And uh, yeah, they're just great local guys. It's, I kind of describe it as a more newsy, little less controversial version of city pages. You know, they, they aren't afraid to take the cheap shots, especially at Packer fans. Um, You know, they, they have a little fun with, with the market they're in, but they're also very committed to like bringing people fast news in a way that's like concise. And so it, that's exciting. Um, And then besides that, just a lot of freelance projects I'm working with, um, two brothers, the Isaacson brothers right now on a bunch of content. Um, this afternoon, I'm filming a video about sheet pan nachos in my own kitchen, which is fun. And yeah, just, you know, like, I think you kind of touched on it. Like, I think from the outside, people look at what I'm doing and they're like, wow, she's got it figured out and, and, and it's all going the way she wants it. And honestly, some days I'm like, what is happening? And what deadline am, am I on and and what's next? And, and kind of the engagement chicken was that like, I got this idea. I, I partnered with the director in town. We did this fun video and then you're kind of like, all right, uh, well, what's next? What do we do with this video? Right. Tell me about the engagement chicken and I'll put, uh, uh, a link to the video in the notes. So the engagement chicken, it actually goes back to 1982, New York City Glamour Magazine, a young fashion editor or assistant uh, is, you know, 
very upset. Her boyfriend isn't giving her the attention she wants. She wants a ring. It's not moving at the pace she wants. And so her much older, wiser, been around the block editor hands her this chicken recipe and is like, this is foolproof. Make it, make it for your partner. She makes it three months later, they're engaged. She hands it off to a couple of colleagues. Same thing happens. And so then this like urban legend around the world's most boring meal. I, I like, yes, everyone needs to know how to roast a chicken. But when I think engagement, I think something sexy, like steak and scallops and shrimp and like right. lots of butter and like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, a roast chicken. Alice Waters has the perfect <laughs> roast chicken and she's just so simple and earnest about it. Yeah, no, it, it really is. You're kind of like, oh, all right. Um, and, and then, you know, it goes further. There were all these women in the early 2000s. Howard Stern gets involved. Um, he actually was, it was, uh, so Glamour Magazine ended up posting the recipe in, in January of 2004 in their, in their magazine. And they told the story going back to 1982 and Howard's on air one day, he's raving about this chicken and like, not to be graphic, but like you literally like shove whole lemons up the chicken. And he says this, like his girlfriend at the time, Beth made this amazing chicken with lemons up the butt. And this woman called in and said, Howard, she made you engagement chicken. And he called her out and she had to own the fact that she had found this recipe in glamour. And so it's just like this, do I think it actually works? No, but it's fun to kind of think like there's this magical recipe floating around. Well, and I do think the way to your partner's heart can be food. Come on. Yes. Um, so how do you exactly make engagement chicken besides it's shoving le- the lemons up the butt? It's lemons up the butt. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, lemon juice, salt and pepper over the whole thing. Um, what I found interesting. So I made it the, my first engagement chicken with my mother, because I feel like anytime you're making like a staple recipe, you bring mom into the mix And you actually start with the breast of the bird down so that the underbelly gets that nice brown. And it's only in there for about 15 minutes and then you flip it. And it really is strictly a like lemon pepper chicken. But I I think going back to your point, and you mentioned this earlier when you talked about having to learn sports and how to like get men involved, it's food. It really is. It doesn't matter if it's sexy food or if it's, chicken or if it's pizza, that's the way to a man's heart. So when you make chicken for your partner, is this the recipe you use? Because I would like everything, I would take parts of this and parts of that. So when you talk about engagement chicken and sticking the lemon up the butt, I'm like, oh yeah, I do that. But I also do rosemary and thyme. And then I take butter and I mix it with thyme and garlic and I rub that up under the skin. And I probably make the chicken so complicated. Well, and I'm that way too. I'm not a recipe follower and I find it hard when I make something and share it on social media and people are like, Oh, what's the recipe? And I'm like, Ooh, um, it was like 20 minutes of ADD with like 30 things thrown in there. And I I can't really tell you. Stephanie and my latest just snarky funny is okay. So our week is kind of funny because she's in the food world 24 seven. And then I'm usually not. 
And then we get together on Saturdays and we sort of come together and share. And I'm more of the home cook and the eater. And she's more of the professional out and about uh, diner. So when we post recipes, it's usually Saturday or Sunday. And these are literally things we're cooking for our Sunday meals for our families. And, you know, we don't necessarily use a recipe and whatever we post, there's always in the comment section, recipe question mark. So we just have shorthanded everything we do. She'll be like, I'll say something. And then she'll look at me and she'll go recipe question mark. (laughs) It's so true. And it's, I think it's so interesting is, um, I'm the youngest of four girls and all of us have a very different cooking style. One of my sisters who's very type A is like recipe to a point, like not even like getting anywhere creative with it at all. And then the rest of us are a little messier, are a little bit like coloring outside the lines, so to speak. What's your sign? I'm a Pisces. Okay. Cause I just, when you talked about like the way you had your vision, I was like, she must be a Gemini. Oh, <laughs> no, I unfortunately am coming up on uh, my second quarantine birthday, uh, March 18th. Um, but this year will be better than last year because last year was actually my first day of unemployment because the world shut down and I was out of a job, but my, my upside to this, and this sounds terrible is that, um, it was so early on in the pandemic, no one had started doing those car parades yet. So I was like safe. No one was driving by my house in the middle of the day. That's funny. Second birthday in the pandemic is really an interesting statement and something interesting to think about. I'm going, uh, my sister's child has a birthday coming on Friday and we didn't, we haven't done anything for years or a year. And now it's like, well, we're going to be doing something in the garage and we're going to have the fire pit out and you can come by. And so birthdays are kind of back on, but in a very weird way. Yes. Um, mine right now, tentatively, and I keep, uh, so Sven Sungard is one of the weather people that we have at Bring Me the News. And so I keep tweeting him like, I don't know who you have to pray to, but I could really use some great weather the weekend before my birthday or the weekend after. I'm not picky. But it's kind of the same thing. Like I'm, I'm going to send a message out to my family and friends. And, and if weather permits, I will be on our deck. Uh, we have a heater. Bring your own chair. Uh, bring a cup and I'll share beverages, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's definitely interesting how we have shifted how we host and what people are comfortable with. You know, like everyone, I feel like everyone's on a different playing field as far as like what they're okay doing. It is weird. I just was saying to a friend yesterday, I feel like sometimes I'm in an alternate universe because I'm mostly at home. And then I go to my Saturday job where Stephanie and I sit in a 10 by 10 foot studio. So her and I have really had to have a lot of conversation and a lot of honesty and clarity about where we've been, what we've done, there have been, uh, there was one day where I sat in the studio with a mask on and prayed that nobody noticed because I just had had some behavior that I felt like maybe put her at risk. It's just been this very intimate, strange, her and I being in this space and worrying about our families. She's got a Mm -hmm. mom who's over 80. My mother-in-law is 87 and I'm the primary caregiver with my husband. So it's been super interesting in that respect, but also I was a huge entertainer. Like I had people over for 10 people meals all the time. I was the one I just always entertained, even like coming over for happy hour, I'd have two appetizers and a signature cocktail. 
And that sounds a little bit like where you were at. I have missed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have missed, missed that too. Um, I have, I, I feel like I've had a very good year in the sense that we've stayed healthy, knock on wood. Yep. Um, my, my boyfriend has been able to work the entire time. Our families have been healthy. So in the grand scheme of things, it's been, we've been very blessed, but I miss, um, I miss spontaneity. I really miss spontaneity. I miss like a random Sunday having nothing to do and going and bellying up at my favorite bar with a glass of wine and writing and just kind of getting lost in that world. And those are things that I hope come back, but cheeseburgers and fries on a Saturday or a Sunday with a bloody mm-hmm. Mary at shamrocks or the nook or just oh, the nook, uh, just and sitting just at the bar, you know, like mm-hmm. I do miss cheeseburgers. Um, what's next for you? What do you have on the docket besides sheet pan nachos? <laughs> a, a big old healthy dose of sheet pan nachos. You know, I think, and, and you probably deal with this too, with pitching places in town. Um, I have been very blessed that so many places in town, TV stations, radio stations have, have given me an opportunity. And one thing with the pandemic is everyone's cooking from home. So one thing that I'm really trying to push myself to do is pursue TV segments outside of our market. Um, and it feels like it should be an easy task, but at the same time, you know, having been a producer, you need to build that trust. You know, I've built the trust with people here in the twin cities and that goes far for sure. But, you know, it's like, you're just building, like, it's like a layer cake. Like I'm hoping that I'm getting closer to the top. Like I'm ready to frost this thing. I'm ready to like serve it and, and like get it out there. Yes. You don't know but what yet, meantime, but I'm, I'm just ready like, for your people. Right. Just keep chugging along. I'm struggling with the idea of cooking on camera in a TV studio. You know, you have a counter and you basically come with your ingredients all prepped and it's, it's kind of a, what did I used to, I had a word for it that I used to call it. I was like, oh, this is just a show and tell. Like you just dump all the ingredients into whatever. And then at the end, you open up your pot of thing that's already cooked and you're like, and here's this. It, at home with home cooking segments, you know, first of all, like setting up your own lights and setting up all your ingredients and setting it up so that you can do it in a way that you can see your Zoom camera it's just, it's crazy that we're producing all these TV segments from our kitchens or our living rooms. And I'm really struggling with the idea of like, does anybody want to watch me, you know, make a uh, sourdough bread on camera? It's boring. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that is that now that you are doing it from home, you really are the producer, the editor, the stage hand. Yeah. I I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten off TV in the last year doing it from home. And I've been like, Oh my God, that was amazing. That was so great. And then I watch it back and like the audio's messed up or my mic wasn't working and people at home, I think because we're just so used to this, like very casual way of, of doing things 
people at home are like, oh, I thought it was wonderful. I mean, my mom's my biggest fan. And she's out every time she's like, oh, I didn't notice that at all. In my head, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like the tech side of it, you mentioned in the beginning, not feeling like where you're supposed to be tech side. I feel that way. And I like, I'm supposed to be this generation who like grew up with it. And I'm just sitting here going like, how much stuff am I investing in? Like, is this like a full, are we, are we doing this or, you know, like when I cook at home, I have to move our lights in our kitchen. I have suction cups where I literally suction cup a string to the window to pull the entire light out of the way. Otherwise it would be hanging in my face. And so now I'm like, do we replace the lights? Like, is this a long-term commitment? It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's interesting. You bring that up because I have had some conversations as of late, like, okay, so when are we going to be back in studio and should I just be preparing, you know, not different content, but I always think about what's, what's the reader going to be interested or the listener or the viewer going to be interested in. And, you know, you can only cover something so many times that some of these viewers are never going to go to these restaurants or they're never going to participate in these things. So I feel like, what are some things that everybody can do? And, you know, it's hard to think about what that looks like and what that content feels like. I did a segment, my first segment from home, I watched it and I was, you could barely see what I was doing because it was so dark. And my husband was like, oh yeah, well, and then we bought these lights and we have invested in all this stuff. And yeah, who knows whether it will ever be anything and One thing that people don't talk about that I just want to give you some props on is the salesmanship of what this takes. I was a born salesperson, so I feel very comfortable calling companies, but I don't do it. And I don't do it because I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. And you're so busy making content. And I only really want to work on sponsored content of things that I legitimately like. Like, I don't really want to sell your nutritious juice drink that's going to make me 20 pounds skinnier. Cause that's not my brand and that's not who I am. Um, but have we been getting where, the same pitch for that? Because yeah. I, I feel like. I, <laughs> and that's where the money is. Right. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm here to do. I want to be like the person that's going to say, if you drink this juice drink, it's because it's so delicious. And it's right. because you wouldn't have bought it if I hadn't have told you to, could you trust that I know a good juice drink when I see one? there's a lot more salesmanship in all this and you have to reach out and constantly be beating down doors. And as a former producer, is that easier or harder? So it's easier to pitch to TV stations. I have been told my entire adult life that I would be great in sales, except for the fact that I hate confrontation of any kind. Um, I am a very new diagnosed adult with ADHD. And one of the symptoms of ADHD is uh, called RSD, which is rejection sensitive disorder. I think I'm saying that correct. But essentially, like if you email me in an hour after we're done with this, my first reaction is something's wrong. I did something wrong. You didn't like our, our content. I am, I come across as confident and a go getter and just like unafraid. If you even told me like, oh, so-and-so really wants to work with you. You should call them. The amount of courage it would take to do it would just, it would destroy me. So I look at these people. Have you watched fake famous yet? 
No. Oh. Stephanie. It's this documentary on HBO Max. Go watch it. They essentially take three people and try and turn them into three regular people, turn them into Instagram influencers. And they show the side of these influencers who are constantly pitching themselves, constantly emailing and going after things and selling their rates. I mean, I will say I did a project almost a year ago and the PR person had reached out to me and said, I I think you'd be really great at this. Could you put together a proposal? And I sent it and they called me back and said, you're underselling yourself by a couple thousand dollars up that, get it back to me and we'll go from there. And I was so honored by that because I think, especially as a woman, I'm so hesitant to sell myself for what I think I'm worth. I'm just, I, I, it's this like, I'm just honored that you want to work with me, which is BS. That doesn't pay my bills. And to have someone in the industry say to me, no, that's, you are worth more than that. It really was this amazing moment of like, okay, but yeah, no, I, I can pitch anyone in town. Like the producer side of me is like, oh, here's an angle. Here's another angle. Oh, you didn't like that one. Here's three more. And like, I don't know if I've knock on wood. I don't know if I've ever been turned down with a segment that I've pitched. So I think from the producer side of that, like, I think like a producer, I, you know, like there's a reason why I did engagement chicken at Valentine's day because it wouldn't work in April. Right. And that's smart of you to do it that way. Well, it's been super fun to talk with you. I hope that you would be open to coming on this podcast again. This is my podcast that has the least listenership, least followers, but it's one that's really just near and dear to my heart because it's just really me talking to interesting people that, you know, next time we can talk about politics or whatever else. I would love that, but I would also love even more when we can sit outside uh, sharing a cocktail Yes. Um, you can bring your charcuterie spread. I will, I will think of something to bring, but I feel like between us, you and I could probably rule the world as far as hosting, <laughs> yes, like hosting could. parties. I think we would be a, a d- dynamic duo. So one last question, when the restaurant scene is more open and maybe you're eating in restaurants already, I'm not. So I'm not. Okay, good. So if, where is the first place you're going to go when you can sit down and eat in a restaurant? Oh my goodness. That is a really, really tough one. I honestly haven't even thought about it. It's been like, so out of my brain, it would probably be just one of our like local spots. We have a lot of like local bars where my boyfriend and I are in crystal. So we have a lot of places in Robbinsdale in new hope. A lot of them are in walking distance and like going back to that spontaneity. Like I love nothing more than like being like, I don't want to cook. Let's walk here. Let's sit at the bar. Let's have one too many cocktails and let's walk home. So yeah. it would probably be that. It's good to know this about you. Cause I moved from St. Paul to golden Valley and I moved right I moved in the pandemic. I moved at the end of October. So I barely know anyone. And oh my God, I'm right north of you. Yeah. And I don't know, like I'm right by Theater Worth Park and all, I don't know any of the restaurants over here. I'm slowly learning, but it's because it's takeout. Right. So 
I still like my heart is still in St. Paul. I'm like, okay, the first place I would go is Red Cow and sit at the bar and have a burger and some tots and a Bloody Mary. And then I'd love to go to Hyacinth and have Ricky cooked for me because that restaurant is just such a special little gem that I just love so much. And so I'm just waiting for that day when I feel like I can do it. And in the meantime, like I'm waiting for spring, like we're close, right? We're it's about March 1st. So I feel like pretty soon we're going to be sitting outside a little bit more. I am. I am really looking forward to just being outside. Just it's been a long year in a house, man. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. I think I will share it uh, sometime today so you can get the engagement chicken story out. Yeah, Uh, we will talk again. Oh, that was so fun. Thank you. It was like a little therapy for my heart. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Me too. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Steph. All right. Bye.